Chapter 25 Revenge of Grief Thunderclap roared long and hard, a bellow of anger, sadness, fury, and sorrow. He blew every last bit of air from himself, expelled like gusts of wind from across the sea, and crackling with a scent of ozone. He gasped and took in another breath. Turum was gone, and Thunderclap realized what that meant. Turum had understood he wasn't like the other Chromabacks, that he was a rogue. Thunderclap didn't know why, neither did Turum, but that hadn't mattered. Now he wondered if he had anywhere else to go. After I kill this black-scaled murderer, he told himself, nothing will matter. He snarled and beat his wings, lurching forward through the sky. Lasertooth and the rest of the wing were far off still, struggling. That was fine by him. He wanted the girl remark to himself. Turum would have told him to wait for his wing, but Turum was dead. I'll be the one to avenge Turum's death. They continued to charge towards one another. Thunderclap observed Gerwamark Robbone, calm in his saddle and Renamuk appeared to be in control. Thunderclap's eyes focused like a predator hunting prey, all thought bent on destroying the Black Dragon. And those who knew him knew that when he set his mind, it wouldn't be turned. The commander's death will be paid for with thousands, Thunderclap challenged. After you fall, the dragons of Hugh will follow. A revolting smile drew across Renamuk's lips as he swooped and came up to face Thunderclap again. Only a faint hint of surprise mingled with curiosity registered in his green eyes. He must be shot, thought Thunderclap, seeing a colored dragon flying with the medals. <laughs> he chuckled audibly. The wind swept beneath his outstretched wings. Two hundred feet. One hundred feet. Thick mist lifted from the day-warm grasses on the plains below the sun a thin pairing on the western horizon. It was time to return to the keep, but a short scrap between two dragons wouldn't hinder anything, any more than the coming darkness. Thunderclap drew near. Fifty feet. Ten feet. He was in range. He inhaled deeply, then let forth. A hail of lightning arced towards Renamuk with a buzz and a spark, tearing through the dusk with a sudden light. Renamuk looked almost old, with his long chin whiskers and thin muscle. But the Black Dragon was fast, faster than Thunderclap had expected. The Black Scale dove and avoided the dancing bolts. Predictable little worm. Renamuk landed on the ground a moment, then sprang back into the air. With a thud, <coughs> Renamuk's bound brought him into Thunderclap's chest, and he flew backwards, gasping. He struggled to take another breath. Time stalled, and finally came and he sucked in, grateful for the airs of Typhi as they filled him. I will kill you! roared Thunderclap. He lashed his tail and Renamuk returned his own, knocking them out of grips with each other. They beat their wings and charged again. Thunderclap's neck arched forward, his wings flat against his body. Claws tore through scale and at eyes, until at last one gave ground and then turned to get a better position. They charged again. Over and over, the black and blue dragon careened into one another as they fought for supremacy. Two giants on the battlefield. Make no mistake, rogue, spat Renamuk. His sly voice hissed and wheezed. Blood ran from his lip. You'll fall the same as the one you bore. Your bones broken, your entrails upon the earth. Overconfidence, shot Thunderclap with a grin. I welcome it. 
No one who stood against me has lived long to tell the tale, and you will be no different. Thunderclap bared his teeth. He found no mercy in his heart. There was only a blank emptiness he wasn't aware he could feel, especially for a human elf. This dragon, no, more his rider, had taken Turim away now. And then he realized that he had to destroy them both, for Turim and for himself, and for every chromaback this Black Goemark had convinced to join his army. Don't speak of Turim, he roared. Your words mean nothing to me, and your weak will even less. You're an accursed puppet to this dragon army. Renamuk roared in anger. That hit a nerve. I'll kill Goemark Rotbone and all those like him, serpent. Thunderclap snarled. Renamuk dove forward again without further words. Thunderclap roared out in pain as the black dragon's teeth clamped on this time, biting into his neck. Jaws clenched muscle, but Thunderclap wouldn't give yet. He twisted and his foreclaws drove deep into Renamuk's throat. Thunderclap pulled his rear legs in and raked down the black dragon's length. He resolved to hold on, even if it meant his death. He would end the struggle. His golden eyes flared with anger, meeting Renamuk's soulless glare. Gathering his strength again, he gripped, and with a few sharp wind beats, dove downward. Yormark Rockbone suddenly seemed concerned. Thunderclap had made sure to wrap his tail around his riding shield. The little Yormark could barely move. Renamuk was sorely wounded. There was no escaping Thunderclap's wrath. Turn aside now, Runamok! Gurumok Rockbone commanded. Lest you wish I skewer you. Runamok clenched. He definitely heard the Gurumok's words, but it didn't matter how the Black Dragon struggled. Thunderclap wasn't letting go. His grip was iron. The ground approached quickly. Then, a distraction. Renamuk whispered in Thunderclap's ear and twisted. You are right. I am the accursed serpent that shall bury you beside your master. Thunderclap's grip slipped. Renamuk took the upper hand. With an earth-shaking slam, the black dragon flung Thunderclap into the grassy plains with a crack. A cloud of thick dust and rubble rose up around him. That had ended it. Thunderclap's gaze drew skyward as the black pair slowly rose toward the battle again. Many of the dragon riders of both armies had begun to return to their camps and keeps. Full darkness was minutes away. He coughed blood. <coughs> Crickets and little field mice made their chirps, crawling between the carrion of dragons and two legs. The sound of them skittered around him. At last, Thunderclap could remain conscious no longer, and he slipped into his own darkness. Renamuk had won. Straven felt the heat of the torches, lit to light the battlements again in the darkness. Ahead of him, Tantara and Jaffreen skirted the outside of the southeastern tower to pass across a causeway. The fairy flew in and out of the light, but he always heard her buzzing just ahead. Below, homesteads and dragon stables scattered out across the keep's courtyard like hundreds of croutons in the bottom of a breadbox. The various colors of crops broke the bits of farmland into sections. One of the knights had told him Grangers tended the land in return for a portion of the food they grew and for their protection. But Straven couldn't see anyone in them now. The homesteads had been abandoned after the first call to arms on the day of their arrival at the keep, and all the precious food they'd provided had been gathered in the central tower. Clearly he was hungry. The thought made his stomach growl. When they reached the eastern wall, 
It was still lined with many elf, man, and halfling archers. Behind them, a sprite squire continued lighting torches to brighten everyone's vision. The skies were empty of dragons as far as he could tell, though several Knights of the Hawk's wings still touched down in the rows of landing fields between each pair of stables. There's Darf and Aldor! cried Tatara, pointing towards them as they approached. And Lala too, added Jeffreen. I'm glad they're okay. The halfling girl came jogging along behind Aldor as quickly as her little hairy feet could carry her. She glanced down at the wounded every few steps, her face pale and grim. Striven stepped over bodies of blue-armored knights and bowmen. Their empty faces danced with flame from the firelight like deathly spirits. He shuddered. What news along the eastern wall? Jeffreen asked Aldor. The dragon army's drawn back from the skies in some measure, finally. Those filthy Dark Knight Riders, spat Aldor. They slaughtered plenty of our own dragons. Planes outside are littered with them, but we gave it to them too. There haven't been too many colored dragons inside the wall, but we've got plenty laid out on those spikes. Straven had noticed that too. Darf stood off, looking down to the ground inside the keep. He hadn't glanced at Straven or the other rangers. He's barely taken heed of the dead and dying, thought Straven. I thought I saw one enter, Darf rumbled to himself. Not far off. His words halted. What is it? Asked Straven. Maybe he'd been talking to Aldor. They all joined Darf, peering over the wall. Tatara sat down on Straven's exhausted sword arm. In the courtyard, a great black-scaled dragon was lit by red firelight. Its dark wings furled out as Knights of the Hawk tried to down it. But no one who fought around its feet could get in a blow. The beast moved heedlessly. A flash of memory took Straven. His jaw quivered. He nearly imagined himself in the fellow marshes again. It didn't matter how many times he tried, he could never shake the horror of that day. The day Duragil and the other rangers took the fight to Gougemire the Black, and they were slain. Every last one of them. Duragil had been a friend and a mentor, and he died to save Ease. Died to save Straven, to let a young boy escape. That was why Straven wrote the hymn. That was why he scrolled the songs. And he knew what would come next. He tried to cry out, but there was no sound. As he watched, the dragon spread forth a wave of foul acid, destroying nearly every knight who stood against it with a splash of dark green. Then, with a swift lash of its tail, it smashed into the dragon stable, sending wood and stone crashing across the ground in several directions. Straven saw Darth jerk his big head up, looking back and forth along the wall. What is it? asked Aldor. Where's Senfa? asked Jeffreen, clearly in sync with Darth's thoughts. I thought I saw her down there. The twang of bowshot suddenly sprang forth as several of the bowmen, gathered on the wall a short ways away, hailed arrows down on the dragon. But they were aimed at its back. They're not gonna kill him like that, thought Straven gravely. I've seen it tried. Suddenly, the black dragon below let out a roar. It turned its attention up to the wall where the bowmen were, and leapt towards them with a wild beat of its wings. It sent another surge of hissing acid all over the battlements. Beneath it, bowmen died screaming as their bodies burned to a puddle of gore. The god help them, said Tatara. Draven pushed his feelings back down inside at the sight and smell of it all. He tried not to throw up. His hands trembled as the black dragon turned towards them. But the dragon only glanced at them a moment before it swooped back down to the courtyard over the inner wall and landed close to where it had been before. We have to stop it, before he kills all of the bowmen, shouted Totara. They're all that's left to defend the skies against these beasts. But we need to get a lot closer to do any real harm to it, replied Lala. 
Hmm. Darf gave a quick grunt of agreement and looked to Aldor. Come on. I think I saw Red down there too. Straven nodded decisively. They had to get to Simpha. I say back through the tower behind us, shouted Aldor. We can make our way back down through there. Jafreen glanced over her shoulder. Beside the walkway was a door leading into the tower. We're with you. Let's go. They found that the doorway was shut and barred to keep the enemy out. With a hasty swing of his club, Darth slammed through it, taking the lead. The door splintered and smashed into countless pieces that clattered down the stone steps inside. They raced down the staircase, their hair and cloaks whipping behind. Who'd it go on the southern wall? Asked Aldor, his breath heaving. He was talking to Jaffreen, who was only a few steps before him, but an answer from anyone probably would have suited him. The Dragonites are all but perched, answered Jaffreen. Yeah, thanks to Churim's wing, added Struven. They tore across the field and laid waste the likes of which I've not seen, no sir. He let some feigned enthusiasm cover what they were about to do. Jaffreen kept the answers coming. We gained a great advantage after that. Rail's still there with what's left of the rangers. Plenty of knights as well. The way went down for what seemed like ages, until at last, they came out into the courtyard. Darf blocked most of their view, but Straven peered under his arm. Not far off, the black dragon still terrorized the keep, and now a smaller white dragon had joined it. The dark knights struck those who came at their mount's sides, and the dragon's teeth gnashed and bit those who came at them from the front. Together, they seemed to be holding the knights of the hawk who attacked them at bay. Nobody moved from the doorway at the bottom of the stairs just yet. Draven looked around at their faces. If they felt anything like him, their hearts were full of terror at the vast dragons now that stood so close, not more than a few hundred paces off. What should we do? Asked Lola quietly, peeking around Darth on the other side. The black dragon rose up to let out another wave of acid. Suddenly, from behind another building along the rows of dragon stables, came a hail of bolts. Several struck him in the throat. Another hit beneath his arm, and the beast fell crippled and writhing. Yes! Cheered Tatara, hovering over Darf's head. What was that? The Knights of the Hogs surrounding it backed away to avoid its death throes, and in a few seconds, it lay dead. The Dark Knight on the White Dragon shouted a curse and moved his mount toward the direction the bolts had come. With no words, Darf bound forward toward the chilling white reptile. Are you daft? Shouted Aldor to his friend. Striven swallowed but charged after. For Dark Hill. Aldor chased after them as fast as his short legs could go as the others stumbled out of the doorway following. Darf's club was slung over his back, but he reached for it as he neared. He ran as fast as Striven had ever seen a creature of his size run. Striven still wasn't sure what he was doing. The dirt and gravel road they'd hit went straight north before veering left. On their right hand passed a row of the dragon stables they'd seen from up on the east wall. Short stone fences between them, the backs of the stables facing him. He kept going. Darf was almost there. The white dragon loomed up before him, but Straven noticed its attention wasn't on him. Darf drew up alongside it, waited a moment, and then it roared and began to leap between a pair of the stables toward whomever had shot the black dragon. Darf swung hard. He caught the dragon behind the right front leg and crushed it against the wall of the stable beside them. Timbers splintered, beams cracked, and the dragon crashed down hard into the wall. Unable to stand, though not deterred just yet, the white dragon craned its neck toward Darth. It roared. Stephen's eyes widened. He could almost feel the cold from where he was, more chill than winter's snows. Then Darth sprang toward the beast. Raising his club into the air, he brought it down hard the white dragon's snout. There was a sickening snap, and the reptile's head fell against the ground. But Darth hadn't escaped unharmed. 
the first shards of ice had shot forth from the white dragon's cold breath. He fell to his knees and dropped his club, clenching his great chest. Striven's hand went to his bow. He swallowed, his fingers touching the fletch of an arrow. The dark knight who'd ridden the white dragon unbuckled himself, hands flying. He leapt from his saddle mount and came at Darf with his sword drawn. Then Darf Bloodshedder, son of Gondorf Bloodshedder, feller of giants, would have died. But another hail of bolts erupted from beyond the wall of the stable. Several struck the Dark Knight. One sunk deep in the ribs beneath his arm where his heavy black plated armoring didn't cover him, and he was knocked to the ground with a scream of pain. Darf coughed up blood but gave a smile. <coughs> he whispered as she came around the corner. Simpha called out as she ran towards him. Straven rushed forward as well. He was the first to admit the half-ogre had worried him at first. He was also a bit rude, but was brave. He'd saved all their lives from the cages, along with Tatara and the dwarf, and now he'd saved Simpha's life again. Alder approached and hewed the fallen Dark Knight in two, then they all clattered and thumped up behind their fallen friend. The other knights who'd been fighting the dragons stood in a loose group nearby, watching. Darf had saved them too. Striven met eyes with Aldor. There was a grave look on the dwarf's face. He knelt slowly and put his hand on Darf's shoulder. Darf's hands were across his stomach. His blood was melting the crystal shards there. They'd pierced him in the stomach like thrown spears. And yet he was lucky to have snapped the dragon's jaws shut with his swing before the full force of the icy blast had erupted from his throat. Jafreen! cried Simpha as she ran up. You can help him, can you? I've seen you! Her lip quivered as she knelt across from Maldo over Darf. What were you thinking? You big stupid ox! Striven looked over to Jaffreen as she stepped forward, still breathing hard. The druid's face was somber, and she held her jaw tight, looking at Striven. He knew why. A battle of decisions raged inside her like a maelstrom. But it wasn't just because of Turin's warning. She taught him enough to know it was more. Jaffrey knelt by Darf's head and examined his chest. The wounds inflicted by a dragon's breath are most ancient in nature. Even if I did cast a spell here to eat him, I... Simpha's face filled with worry and confusion. What? I don't understand! In the forest, I was tired! And Tartara... Jaffrey looked at her, her voice sharp with frustration. It's ice, Sinfa. The wood and plants of my talents draw back of the cold, just as the winter pushes back spring. But you have to try, said Simpha. You will, won't you? It doesn't matter how long it takes. Then she looked around, almost frantic. We have to find a place where he'll be safe from the battle, said Jaffreen, rising with his staff. And from prying eyes, added Totara, glancing around. Streven shook his head at her. No. The clerics would know. Tales would reach them. They'd come after her term and said so. Jaffreen bowed her head in agreement. I will try to keep him alive long enough, but you must go get their healers. Tatara's face reflected Striven's heart. Are you sure? She said slowly. We need them. Jaffreen shot back. I wish there was another way. He's going to die. But Jaffreen... Tatara said panicked. At that moment, several more chromaback dragons landed inside the walls but they were far off in one of the open courtyards. The knights who'd been fighting the black and white dragons saw that Darf had been tended to and ran northward to assist. Come on! Get him inside the stable! Here! said Simpha. She pointed just north of where Darf lay. Its enormous doors were slightly ajar on that side, 
and she ran to the entry and began pushing the gates open. Jafreen was agreeing to a lot, but it was for Simpha she'd do it. They cared about her, and for some reason, Simpha had found some way to care about this ogre, reason Streeman had grown to understand better. He knelt beside Aldor and tried to lift Darth. Come on, large fellow. You need to help us. It seems you've got a love for a good meal even more than I. Lala followed along behind them. I wish there was something I could do, she said softly. As she flew past, Katara called out to her. We have to get to the healers. Watch my back for the enemy. You never know when they might show up. Uh, okay. Lala nodded and quickened her pace after her, and the two were gone. It was no easy task, but at last they carried Darth inside the dragon stable. Many torches hung inside, lighting the darkness. Rows and rows of stalls lined the walls, longer and larger than any simple horse stall. At the far end, Straven saw several sprites with torches scurrying in and out of the doorway that led to the takeoff and landing field outside, busy at their own tasks. Jafreen exhaled slowly, then spoke. Lay him in one of the stalls. A stall? asked Straven warily. Jafreen looked to be getting edgy. Straven, quickly. Besides, they're dragons, not horses after all. Make sure there's little bending in the belly as he lays, then you have to go. Simpha folded her arms and stared down at Darth. I've never seen frozen blood before. <sighs> Jafreen held her hands over his chest, where there was still a mass of ice-covered shards in the half-ogre's blood. Aldor's face seemed to hold the sort of solemn solidity that can be borne only by a dwarf, but Striven knew he was upset. Simpha was clearly a mess, but Striven saw her glance over at Aldor, and the moment she saw the dwarf, she hardened her resolve to match his. Their breath had become visible now that the sun had set, and Striven rubbed his hands to warm them. He couldn't make himself take the first step to leave. Then he heard the screeching roars of many dragons descending outside. Go now, commanded Jafreen, pulling herbs from her pouch and shaking her head. None of us will live if you let more chromabacks in here. Quick. With no more thought or speech, Striven and the other companions ran to the end of the stable. With dread in his heart, he peered out the great doorway onto the landing field. But instead of chromabacks, they saw that many of the shining scales returned to the keep now. Some of the wings had been out a while after the darkness fell. Many of the riders and dragons who returned were injured. As Striven looked to Aldor and Simpha, they were all assessing the knight's condition. Wings were rarely their full complement of six riders. Those who remained were grim. Look over there, called Striven to the others as he spotted them. Isn't that Charm's wing? He rushed across the field, and the others trailed after. When they reached the northern end, they crossed through the small gate within the stone wall and hit across several other fields before they came to Charm's wing descending into their landing area. Striven waved his hand before his face as grass blew around them. The dragons landed, and stable boys scurried around carrying torches and lanterns to hang in the fields. There was a brief confusion as Striven looked them over. Then he realized something was wrong. Grave looks were drawn across the faces of Sand and his other wingmates. Turm wasn't with them. One of them, Arthur, threw his helmet across the field. He was right there! I... He fell into a shout of anger. At that moment, Tatara and Lala came running up, pointing several priests over toward the dragon stables where Darth lay dying. Where's Torin? Lala asked Sand, her voice shaky as she looked up to the riders. Where a smile had sat on her face, it slid down into uncertain dread. Sand slowly dropped from Lasertooth's shoulder plate to the ground. His eyes told a story that needed no words, as his jaw clenched tight. 
Straven repeated the question, hoping Sand hadn't heard Lala. Where's Churim? He... He's been slain by Guramok Rotbone in the skies, said Sand at last. He fell to the plains of Sirik. He paused long, facing his riding shield, his gauntleted fist clenched hard. He's dead. 